Hi friends, welcome back to Murder on the Map. I'm your host, Taylor, and I'm really glad you're here. I wanted to start today's episode by saying a couple of things. First of all, I am sorry about my voice. I'm a little sick right now, and I am going to get a COVID test later. Hopefully it's not that. I'm vaccinated and boosted, but just want to be safe. And then another thing I wanted to say is that I know I haven't put out an episode in a while. The Gabby Petito case was the first case that I had ever followed so closely and covered the breaking news on my show and things like that. And finding out the end result of her case was just devastating for everybody, of course. And so it took a toll on my mental health. So I paused consuming anything true crime until now. I haven't even been watching Dateline, which if you know me in real life, you know, is like my favorite show ever. I'm excited to be back in the routine of my podcast and excited to be back with you guys. I appreciate all the support from the listeners um, that I've had, and thank you guys that have reached out to check on me on Instagram and things like that. On today's episode, I want to talk to you about another recent breaking news case out of Connecticut. This wasn't the episode that I'd planned to return with, but I came across the news the other day, and this case is really important for us to talk about. I've spoken many times about how women of color don't get their stories heard and that we need to be just as loud about all of them as we were about Gabby Petito. This is the story of Lauren Smith Fields. We'll get into her story right after the break. What would you do with your free time if you didn't have to go grocery shopping? For me, I think about how much of that time I could use to watch Dateline or research a new case for the show. And that's why I use Instacart. Instacart has multiple stores available so you can shop all your favorite stores in a single order. They also highlight deals to help you save money and all of your groceries are hand-selected by Instacart shoppers based on your preferences so your produce will always be super fresh and the eggs will be kept safe too. Plus, you can get your groceries right to your door in as little as one hour. Try Instacart for your grocery order this week and get free delivery on your first order over $35. Make sure to follow the link in my show notes so they'll know I sent you. Now, back to the show. Chantelle Fields had not heard from her daughter all day. Are you okay? She texted. Please let me know. Her texts and phone calls went unanswered, so on the evening of December 13th, she and her son went to her daughter's apartment in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and found a note on the door. If you're looking for Lauren, call this number, the note read. Chantelle called and waited by the car. Soon, the landlord came downstairs. Lauren Smith Fields had been found dead the day before. Chantelle said the Bridgeport Police Department never informed her family about the death. The landlord gave them the number for a detective who told her son over the phone that Lauren had been on a bumble date with an older man before she died. But the detective provided little additional information and hung up when the family called back for additional information. Lauren was a 23-year-old black woman living on her own in a Bridgeport, Connecticut apartment. From her Instagram, she seemed to have a beautiful life. 
There's lots of pictures of her on vacation, laying out on the beach, out to brunch with friends, and always showing her impeccable fashion sense. On December 9th, she matched with 37-year-old Matthew LaFountain on Bumble. He claims that she asked him for $40 to do her nails and told him to meet at her house with a bottle of tequila on the night of December 11th. He said he arrived to Lauren's apartment around 9.30 p.m. that night. They drank tequila before playing games, having food, and watching a movie. Matthew said at one point Lauren went to the bathroom to throw up, and then at another point she went outside to get something from her brother, and then went to the bathroom for 10 or 15 minutes. The police report said that Matthew found it, quote, odd, but didn't feel it was his place to say anything as he didn't know her that well, end quote. He claims that she fell asleep during the movie and he carried her into the bedroom and slept next to her and that he woke up at 3 a.m. to go to the bathroom and heard her snoring. Then, at 6.30 a.m., he woke up to find her not breathing. She was pronounced dead at 6.59 a.m. and a medic said she had not been alive for at least an hour. According to the incident report police made, Matthew appeared, quote, frantic and visibly shaken and was not taken into custody. As of January 26th, he wasn't even named a person of interest or taken in for questioning. Lauren's brother was told by police that they didn't bring him in because, quote, he seemed like a nice guy, end quote. This is where I feel like it's important to mention that Matthew is a cis white man. Like I alluded to at the beginning of the episode, no one in Lauren's family was notified of her death. Police say they spoke to her landlord when they arrived at the scene, but were unable to track down contact information for her family. And also, like I said earlier, her mom and brother went to her apartment, found the note that said, if you're looking for Lauren, please contact this number. When they called, they were notified of her death and the the detective assigned to the case said that he would be there in half an hour. They waited for over an hour and Lauren's mom called the number again and was told to stop calling before being hung up on. The police didn't do a crime scene investigation until later that week when the case was reassigned to a different detective. According to Lauren's brother, Lakeem Jetter, he and his family noticed cups of liquor, flipped plates, and lube in the apartment. There was also a blood stain in the middle of her bed, and none of them were initially examined as evidence. Two and a half weeks after the search, on December 29th, her family was cleaning out Lauren's apartment when they found a used condom in the trash and an unidentified pill, none of which appear to have been taken into evidence. Meanwhile, according to the family's lawyer, no evidence has been submitted to the forensic science lab. On January 21st, Lauren's family's lawyer, Darnell Crossland, issued a notice of claim announcing that they intended to sue the Bridgeport Police Department for their handling of her case. They believe the police department was, quote, racially insensitive and did not take Lauren's death seriously and failed to properly investigate her case. The notice details a number of concerning missteps in the investigation, including the fact that obvious evidence was not gathered by police and the officers have been reluctant to formally interview Matthew or name him as a person of interest. Crossland also alleged that Kevin Cronin, the detective first assigned to the case, has some connection with Matthew and is currently under investigation by the city's internal affairs department. In interviews, Crossland also stressed that the deaths and disappearances of white women are taken much more seriously than those of black women. He was quoted saying, When a white woman goes missing, the world drops everything, and we are done with this valuation. The notice also alleges that Acting Police Chief Rebecca Garcia, 
Mayor Joseph Ganim, and three others from the police department violated the rights of Lauren and her family under the 1983 Civil Rights Act and failed to provide her and her family with a due process accorded to them under the 14th Amendment. Lauren would have turned 24 years old on January 23, 2022. That day, instead of celebrating her, her family held a march calling for justice and answers about her death from the police department. On January 24th, the day after, Lauren's autopsy results came back in from the chief state medical examiner, concluding that she died of acute intoxication due to the combined effects of fentanyl, promethazine, hydroxyzine, and alcohol. Her death was ultimately ruled an accident, but because fentanyl was present, the Bridgeport Police Department opened a criminal investigation in the Narcotics Department with the help of the DEA. Her family's lawyer gave a statement after the autopsy results came out, saying that the toxicology results make it look even more like a murder, and the family is still awaiting the results of an independent autopsy. As of January 31st, two police detectives in Bridgeport have been put on administrative leave for the way they handled the death of Lauren, as well as another black woman named Brenda Lee Rawls. Brenda was also found dead on December 12th, and her family also claims that the police never notified them of her death. They said they learned that she had died through their own investigating. Her sister Dorothy said that she and her sisters are close and talk on the phone or text one another every day. On December 11th, Brenda told her family that she had planned to go to the home of a male acquaintance who lived down the street from her. Her family said they tried unsuccessfully to reach her on December 12th and 13th, so on December 14th, two of Brenda's sisters, her niece, and the niece's boyfriend walked down the street to the male acquaintance's house. He told them that he couldn't wake her up on December 12th and that she had died. He gave them the clothes and shoes she had been wearing and then closed the door. The family was left with all questions and no answers. When they called the funeral home, they were told that she wasn't there and given the number of the state medical examiner's office, and that's where they found her. The detectives handling these two cases were identified as Detective Kevin Cronin and Detective Angel Lanos. These cases have since been reassigned within the department. If there are any updates to these cases, I will for sure let you guys know. You can follow me on Instagram at TaylorBTalks. Um, I'll be sharing updates as I see them on my Instagram story. Hopefully justice can be found for both of these families, as well as justice served for these two detectives who mishandled these cases so badly. If you know anything about the deaths of Brenda Lee Rawls or Lauren Smith-Fields, please call the Bridgeport Police Department at 203-581-5100. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Murder on the Map. If you enjoyed the show and you care about our cause of bringing justice for victims and their families, please become a supporter of the show. You can find a link for that in the show notes. You can follow me on Instagram at TaylorBTalks and DM me if you have a case you want me to cover, or you can email me at murderonthemap at gmail.com. Be sure to leave a review wherever you're listening to help more people discover the show. And make sure to share with your friends that you know like true crime podcasts. I always see people looking for recommendations, so it's nice to share. Um, a couple of my favorite ones that I'm listening to are Something Was Wrong and Morbid. Thanks for listening, and I will see you guys next week.
If you're listening to my show, I can only assume that you like spooky stuff or you're my mom. And hey mom, if you're listening, go ahead and tune this ad out. Anyway, I'm shopping at Karaz and they have the cutest spooky stuff tees. They also have some Southwestern tees. So if you love Arizona and out West, there's tees for you. And my personal favorite is the Brooks and Dunn neon moon shirt. And I have a promo code where you can get 10% off your first order. So if you're in the market for some new shirts and you want to look cute, which I mean, come on, we all do, check out karaz.com. That's K-A-E-R-A-Z.com and use code TaylorBTalks for 10% off your first order. (laughs) 